been in the middle of a series in 1 Corinthians um, titled Worship Together, and um, I want to start off by saying this. Last week, we talked about love. We've, we've talked about, th- uh, before that, um, the need for us to uh, em- embrace one another in the way that God has gifted us, and we talked a couple of weeks ago about how important how God has gifted us or how, how He manifests Himself in our presence is important for one another in the body of Christ. And I was thinking about this today as we, as we enter into chapter 14. I was thinking, you know, it's not hard for us to imagine that if some of the other gifts, and when we look at the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, sometimes they're a little bit, uh, they make us nervous, or some of us in the room, because we're like, oh, wow, these are like supernatural kind of crazy gifts, you know, and oh, I don't even know if I believe in them, but if I do, I don't know if I want them done through me, and I especially don't know if I want somebody to minister to me, you know, some of us in the room, and then some of us are like, "Woo! let's go for it, come on, pastor, I've been waiting 10 years for you to talk about this, but we, we have all kinds of things that we bring into the room, but we, 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 we tend to handle what we're about to talk about today sometimes with kid gloves, oh, I just hope I don't offend anybody, or I hope I don't step on anybody's toes, but we don't have any problem when we look at Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 and the different other gifts or the way that we see giftings throughout the Scripture, we're like, man, you've got to walk out in the giftings that you have. If you're an evangelist, you've got to preach the gospel. If you're a, 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 you have the gift of mercy, you've got to help. If you're a leader, you've got to lead. We don't have any problem uh, realizing that if God has gifted us in these other ways, it's incumbent upon us as the ones who embody those gifts to use them. I was thinking about evangelism this morning. I was thinking about Romans 10, where Paul says, um, but how can they, those who don't know about Jesus, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. How awesome it is when we step out in evangelism or the gift of evangelism because we see the need for it. You tracking with me here? So in the same way that we have uh, an, an assumption and a conviction that many of the gifts that we read about in Scripture that we embody as believers should be used aggressively, why is it that we don't embrace the manifestations and the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 as being necessary as well. So as we listen today, I wanted to start off there before we even started talking about that because I wanted to put you in the position to ask the question, God, do I really believe that these gifts are very important to the encouragement and the strengthening of the church and the the proclamation of the gospel? And if they are, Lord, would you open me up to understand and to know how you want to minister through me in this way. So can we pray? I want to actually pray before I even start preaching that we would be in an attitude of receiving this morning. Spirit of God, you're the one who manifests yourself. It's your your presence. It's your uh, nature that we, we long to see. It's your character. It's your fruit. It's your gifts. We want everything about you, living God. And we also acknowledge as believers in Jesus Christ, or for those of us in the room who are, that you have said that the Spirit of God dwells within us and that you empower us uh, to 
to live for you and to be your voice, your grace gift to others, that you live through us to minister to others. The Spirit of God, we position ourselves this morning. I just pray for myself, but I pray for everyone in the room. Lord, we position ourselves to receive from you this morning. Revelation, encouragement, your manifestation of grace. And Lord, if so be it, Lord, and I believe you desire to do this, but for each of us in the room, we not only receive, but we put ourselves in a position to give as well. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a long passage of Scripture to read this morning, so get out your uh, Bibles. Uh, um, Hopefully you brought either a hard copy or you brought a soft copy, which is so funny because anyway. So you either brought a Bible or you brought uh, your your cell phone or your iPad or your tablet. Whatever you're going to read the Scripture on, let's look at it today. And if you haven't brought that, we'll throw it up on the screen. But I really want to encourage you to be familiar with your own Bible. Mark it up, know it, highlight it. This is God speaking to you. And we're going to read this whole passage because sometimes I wonder at times if we all read the Bible or if we just get snippets. Everybody gets a little email with the verse of the day. But we need to know the context of the Word of God so we can rightly handle it and understand it. So let's look at this passage of Scripture. I'm going to read as quickly as I can, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire, you know what, I'm going to do what I just told you to do. I'm going to read out of my Bible here. Somebody was going, golly, you can't preach at us and not do it, Sean. Okay, here we go. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For you, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that that, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call... How will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has a meaning, but if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what, he has, what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words, I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words, I understand. 
For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You'll be given th- you will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in the understanding in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will speak in my own language through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in unknown languages or an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God declaring God is truly here among you. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present, who can interpret? They must be silent in your church meeting in your church meeting, and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy and let others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak, one after another, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Women should be silent during the church meetings. If it is not proper for them to speak, they should be submissive, just as, in, as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. And just a note there, and I don't know if I'll get to it next week or in a couple of weeks, I'm going to come back to that specific passage of Scripture, as well as chapter 11, and we'll talk about women um, in, in ministry, in the church role, and just in... Uh, how the scripture addresses this topic. So, um, move on, but we will come back to that at at a later time. Verse 36, or do you think God's word originated with you, Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourselves will not be recognized. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. The Word of God. So we start off this passage of Scripture, and here we go. We're going to hit some points, and we're going to talk about the gifts and Very likely, we will not get through all of the gifts today, and I'll come back the next time and wrap up this message. But the beginning of this passage of Scripture sets the tone. If you remember, the church in Corinth uh, 
Paul is addressing some problems in the church. And throughout the letter, he's addressing some carnality, some, some sin that's in the church, some sexual immorality, some rebellion towards, towards authority, uh, some super spiritual uh, aspects of the church. They, they felt like that they had special abilities and specifically that, that, that marked them as walking in the Spirit instead of actually bearing the fruits of the Spirit and the nature of the Spirit and the love of God driving what they were doing. They were elevating certain gifts. We, the, the, the letter seems to indicate that the gift of tongues was seen as the gift, and if you possess the gift of tongues, that you were walking in the Spirit. And Paul is addressing the error of that theology strongly. And especially in chapters 12 through 14, he's highlighting the gift of tongues, not because he disagrees with the gift of tongues, and he's very clear in chapter 14, what we just read, that the gift of tongues is a gift from God that he has and that he speaks in a lot, but it has to be in order. And so his encouragement throughout this, this passage, these passages of Scripture is that the church is, is built upon Jesus, and Jesus Christ and his love and grace are to flow through us so that we walk as one together, and that we are dependent on the Lord and one another to have a strong church. And what ties all of us together is the love of Christ. So that when we are ministering to one another in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what drives our ministry is not selfish promotion or exaltation of ourselves and our giftings, but humility in service through love so that others would be built up. That we are thinking of ourselves less and thinking of God and others more so that there is strengthening and encouraging and edification in the church. Did you notice that theme as we read first chapter, uh, chapter 14? Did you notice how many times Paul said, this is about you being strengthened and encouraged. So love is the key. Let love be your highest goal. When together we should be filled with more love for one another. So I, I see it as a goal. You say, what's your goal every Sunday morning? One of my highest goals, and I look around at the end of the day, and I, I'm almost every week encouraged that we would leave this place more in love with Jesus and more in love with one another. I, I pray that that is your experience every time you come to Antioch Waltham or every time you go to a life group that is a part of our church, that you go into the meetings um, one way, and when you come out, you are more in love with Jesus and more in love with one another. If that is not the fruit of our experience, then we've missed the mark. We've missed an opportunity to do what Paul and God are, are encouraging us to, to do or be as, as people of God that walk together. We should also, verse 1 says, eagerly desire the manifestations, the workings, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, NIV says it. we should eagerly desire. It shouldn't be just a, be something that we go, oh, well, you know, if that happens, awesome. I think, you know, about 10 years ago, I think maybe God spoke to me for somebody else. It's really cool. You know, if he wants to do, but no, God is saying, eagerly, eagerly desire the gifts. Why? Because the gifts of God, as we saw in first, uh, chapter 12, verse 7, and as we see here, especially as he talks about prophecy, are meant to build up and strengthen the church. We need the manifestations of the Holy Spirit so that we can be strong. Do you believe that? 
Amen. All right. I just woke somebody up from sleep. That's awesome. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Feeling strong this morning. To edify you in the body. To edify the church. Look at, look at um, the beginning of verse 14, and we'll jump right into this controversial gift of tongues. Can I just say this as we jump into this, this text? When I was a kid, my grandmother was a member of a Pentecostal church. I got smiles and frowns all at the same time. Um, and when I was a kid, I was not a part of a Pentecostal church. So when I would visit my grandmother in the summers and I would walk into her service, I was like the unbeliever that was going, what in the world is going on in here? These people are crazy. And they were. I, I actually look back and go, you know, they're, in line of what Paul is talking about, there was some disorder in their church. There was an elevation of the gift of tongues, and boy, were people speaking tongues around me. You know, I was, you know, it's like everybody was speaking something, and I, the, 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 the safest place in my grandmother's church when I'd visit her was on the floor. So almost immediately when I would come into church, I thank God for pews because they're immobile, immobile and they were tall for a kid. And so I would, I would walk in, they would get going, and then I would just duck down. Part of my ducking down was because I didn't want to be, I, that scared me, and I'd actually, I definitely didn't want anybody speaking to me, because that guy that was on the stage, sometimes he would look at people and he'd talk to them. I was like, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen to this visitor, you know. And uh, there were times when I would get sick on Sunday mornings because I didn't want to go to church. You know, all the excuses. Um, I was always thankful when the football game was early on TV. But I, I had an encounter with God and the Holy Spirit when I was in college, and I'll, I'll go briefly through this just to let you know that I identify with Paul in that the Holy Spirit uh, arrested me on a mission trip when I was overseas and began to deal with some things in my heart. And in the context of him dealing with my heart, I experienced um, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life that I'd never experienced before. And one of those ways that God ministered to me and through me was by giving me the gift of tongues. And from that moment, uh, as a 19-year-old until today, I speak in tongues, as is taught here in 1 Corinthians 14. And I can testify in my own relationship with God that when I speak in tongues in my times of prayer, um, I am edified and encouraged in the Lord that I, I, I find strengthening um, from the Lord as I pray. I will, I'll, I'll, start, I'll do a little bit of teaching on it, but I just want to get, get it out there so you can go, okay, this is his experience. This is my experience. It does not have to be your experience, nor do I feel like, as Paul is addressing the church in Corinth, Corinth that it is a marker of your, you, how spiritual you are. I am not more spiritual because I speak in tongues. God just saw that that is a gift that I needed to strengthen me and encourage me. In verse, in, in chapter 14, he talks about this, this gift of tongues. He, he just said that um, we should eagerly desire the gifts, especially the ability to prophesy, because people can understand prophecy. We'll talk about that in later. For if, verse 2, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. And he goes on <clears throat> in verse 4 and says that it, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. 
And then in verse 5, Paul says, I wish that all of you could speak in tongues. And in verse 18, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he, 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 he indicates that if it is not being interpreted in a public setting, and he equates that to prophecy, or the, the way that prophecy works, then what the, the, this gift does for the person who speaks it is it brings edification to our own soul. It brings edification to our life. Um, it strengthens us personally, verse 4. The tongues can also, or in this context, because remember Paul is saying, but hey, it's out of balance if it's the focus, and it's out of balance if it doesn't come with clarity when we meet together. It's better that you prophesy. Verse 13, but the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Uh, Verse 12, uh, since you're so eager to have special abilities, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Uh, so uh, So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said so that it's clearly understood by those around them. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, verse 19, but in the church meeting, I'd rather speak five understandable words than 10,000 in an unknown language. Verse 22, prophecy, however, is the benefit for, all, for believers, not unbelievers. It's, it benefits us. In verse 39, so dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. So what is this prophecy? What is this this prophesying that Paul is talking about? I I do believe, and scholars would agree, that that the prophecy that we see in the New Testament is different than what we see in the Old Testament, specifically because of the way that Paul describes how we are to walk in prophecy and what it's used for. Definitions that some have given, Grudem, Grudem, a, a theologian, defines prophecy as something that God may suddenly bring to mind or something that God may impress on someone's conscience in such a way that the person has a sense that it is from God, telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind, um, foretelling of the inspired Word of God. Um, in a sense, prophecy in the context of New Testament Scripture is God, the Holy Spirit, putting, putting um, knowledge or wisdom or revelation into our mind in a given moment that um, He gives us faith to speak so that it will bring bring some kind of impartation and help in strengthening, encouraging, or comforting to the church. Um, there seems to be, in the context of what Paul is talking here, a difference between this gift of prophecy and if we were to uh, have a gift of teaching, so to speak. But it has to do with the, uh, the, the, the Spirit of God imparting for this moment a revelation or a place of wisdom that would bring strengthening and encouragement to the body of Christ. Sometimes in the New Testament, though, it also is predictive. It does predict. It is kind of like the Old Testament. We see in Acts that a famine was predicted by the prophets in the book of Acts. So there is a predictive nature to it. So sometimes that happens, but oftentimes, especially in the context of what Paul's talking about here in verse 14, he's talking about this word or revelation that brings comfort, encouragement, edification to the body of Christ. Many of you have experienced this in a very natural form in our church when somebody will come and pray for you and give you a scripture that God put on their heart for you. Or maybe a picture or a revelation that has some kind of interpretation that speaks to something that's going on in your life. 
I, uh, we're going to talk a little bit very specifically about words of knowledge and words of wisdom, but I think all of these revelatory gifts have a, have a nature that's prophetic because all of them, when spoken to us, have the effect that Paul is talking about. They bring edification. They strengthen our faith in Jesus. They comfort us um, in our walk with the Lord. Um, there's times when I preach when I am teaching, where I've prepared a message, and in the middle of my preaching, and maybe this has happened to you as you teach and preach, that in the middle of my preaching or message, God inspires me with a revelation or a word that I share uh, that he, he wants in the moment to impact the audience. And oftentimes, when, after the service, when you come up to me, you're like, man, that was so powerful when you said this. It wasn't even in my notes. Which makes me realize I shouldn't prepare. I should just... Always more powerful. Not just joking. They work together. But God, um, I I believe that Paul is encouraging, and we we see the nature of this because he talks about these gifts uh, being um, supernatural or present as we come together. And among, not just one of us, not just the preacher, but among the body, you see that at the end of 14, he says, when you come together, everyone, each of you has a word or a song or a hymn or a you have a gift within you, a manifestation of the Spirit of God that He is using for the edification of the church. I would, would imagine that not all of you are come to every service with a teaching that you have studied and prepared just in case He wants you to teach. But we come together in the presence of God, allowing God to speak through us as He wants to or minister through us as He wants to. In the Old Testament, prophecy was a word that came to a prophet, an assigned prophet. Um, Oftentimes, these words that came to the prophet were canonized. They were actually placed in the Scripture for us to read and study throughout time. If they were false, oftentimes if the prophet spoke a false word, he was killed. Right? If it was not from God. There was a judgment or a punishment. If it was not a literal word from God, then there was punishment. Um, in the New Testament, we see a different definition. Uh, we, we, we see what we've talked about, a proclaiming of the word of God. First Thessalonians, though, talks about how when there's prophecy, we need to test everything and hold fast to what is good, an indication that maybe when people speak prophetically that there's, we need to weigh what's being spoken and, and discern, and there's no indication in Thessalonians, or we see that also in 1 Corinthians 14, weigh what is being said, that we're supposed to kill you if, if we think that you're wrong. You know what, Steve, today that was wrong? Out of here. Gone. We don't have any indication that in the New Testament, the Spirit of God that's operating in us, because we now all possess the Spirit of God, whereas in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon a person for a specific act or purpose that the Spirit of God is working in us and through us, and that we are learning how to engage and interact with the Holy Spirit. We don't like that. We like everything to be perfect. That's why it's scary to us. But can I just say that in the context of the gifts that are in us, if it's administration in Romans, or if it's teaching or mercy or leadership, we, we grow in our giftings. So I'm not the best administrator if I have the gift of administration when I start practicing that gift. I get better in the giftings that God has called me to. It's true even with the manifestations of the Spirit. We operate by faith, prophetically or 
with words of wisdom or whatever, and we discern as the body of Christ operates and steps out in faith, is that from the Lord or is that on or is that off? Oftentimes people will pray over me and prophesy over me, and I take everything and I write it down, and then I say, God, is how much of that's from you? And if my spirit bears witness to it and it is in alignment with the word of God, so let me say some things about prophecy. Prophecy should never be, there's, there's, not a, there's not a prophetic word that disagrees with the Word of God. So you should know the Word of God so that you can test prophecy. And if you don't read the Word of God, be wary of prophetic words in your life. Because they can throw you all over the place. If you're starting to operate in the prophetic, get in the Word of God. So that you know the Word of God. So that the Spirit of God is literally what is being operating through you. And not some other spirit your own spirit. So it should be the Word of God. It should bear witness, the Scripture says. It should, be in, it should be such that we could test it and discern if it's true. And it should bring edification. You ever had a, somebody speak a word to you and, and, and both, both and? Have you ever had somebody speak a word to you and you went, oh, that really discourages me. Well, that might not be God. Even a word, let me say this. I've had, I've had times where people have spoken into my life about an area of sin in my life. And it's brought encouragement to me. Why? Because as a, as a child of God, I don't walk in condemnation. And so if the Spirit of God pinpoints something in my life and somebody else speaks it in love and grace in the right spirit, hey, I just discern that maybe you might be struggling and they nail it on the head, it's actually not discouraging to me. It actually makes me go, oh, Lord Jesus, I want you. I repent. I, I need to be refreshed. You see what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily that they're, they're, in the prophetic there aren't times that God speaks in a way that's convicting, but it still should be a conviction that brings life. If it's something that brings death and judgment, not of God. Because the Spirit of God in prophecy is to edify, encourage, and strengthen the church. Okay. Tongues. Let's just talk about tongues a little bit more. Tongues. I talked about personal, personal edification, but tongues also have other ways in which they are used in Scripture. We see one of the primary, in, in the New Testament specifically, we see in Acts 2 that when Pentecost came and tongues of fire rested upon um, the believers and they started to speak. It was a gift of languages, right? Some believe it's a gift of languages or God gifted the hearers with a gift of interpretation. But whatever happened, there were languages. The languages of the people that were in the midst of the disciples were being spoken. So there's times when God gives tongues as a language. There's a, there's a, a, a missionary... Uh, Irvin Rutherford, who talks about a time when he went to a, uh, an area of the world as a missionary and he didn't know the language, and the Spirit of God came on him as he was standing face-to-face with an imam. The imam was looking straight at him, and, and God just said, you know, inspired him to start speaking in tongues. And so he just started speaking in a tongue that he didn't know to this person, and the person started, eyes got wide open, and he realized later that he spoke their language, that, that 
He had spoken the language that this man had spoken and had revealed the things of God to this man's heart, and this imam gave his heart to the Lord. So sometimes that happens, but here in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul specifically notes two different kinds of tongues. One, that if if there's not an interpretation, it's meant to be edifying and encouraging to the person who's speaking it. He also says, hey, if you're going to pray, speak in tongues, pray that you can interpret or that there's an that there's an interpretation that is to come. And he indicates that if there is a tongue that's spoken in a corporate setting, that it needs to be interpreted, and when it is, it's kind of like prophecy. In the same way that we prophesy, a tongue and an interpretation can also bring edification or encouragement or strengthening to the body of Christ. Remember that in the context of this passage of Scripture, Paul is saying... uh, Don't overemphasize gifts, but he's also not saying to eliminate the gifts. He's saying eagerly desire them, use them in their proper way. All right. Can I have the band come up? Because I want want to... uh, have an opportunity for us to respond to the Lord. Next week, we're going to finish up with the other gifts. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll look at words of wisdom, revelation, all those, and we'll also um, respond again to this call for the strengthening and the edification of the church. So here we are. My prayer this morning was, Lord, as we read this passage of Scripture, as the Spirit of God speaks to us, that we would be open to what He is doing in and through us. Stand up with me. I can say that when it comes to the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, it is much easier for us to operate in those gifts when we're in a smaller setting. So I think life groups are awesome. We've had some life group moments um, in, in, over the last year where the Spirit of God has directed us to pray over or minister to a specific person and words of knowledge and and prophetic revelation came to really, really encourage um, that person. And in the context of knowing one another, we, we knew that what we were speaking and that what we, how we were ministering was coming out of a place of love and commitment to that person. Oftentimes in a corporate setting, if someone brings you a word, you don't know them, you're like, who are they? You know, what's this all about? So it's harder. And sometimes we have to interpret and order things a little bit different when we have a lot of people. But the scripture doesn't tell us that we shouldn't do it in a setting like this. We just have to administer it well. So, would you pray with me? As we prayed at the beginning of this message, Lord, we are open to you gifting us and manifesting yourself in a way that would bring strength and encouragement comfort and ministry to others around us. Spirit of God, would you begin to speak and reveal and gift different ones here in the room to minister as you've called them to minister. And Lord, I pray also that um, if that's not me, if as I'm praying or as we're praying, if it's if, if you don't have a way in which you're ministering through me, that I'd be open if you want to minister to me. As a matter of fact, if I have a need to be ministered to, Lord, I'll, 
I'll put myself in a place where you can do what you want to do in my life. So I pray over this room right now, God, that we would be in a place to strengthen one another in the Spirit. In Jesus' name. So keep praying. Ask the Lord. You know, tonight, as you're praying, I'll just speak to you just for a minute. Tonight, if you come tonight, there will be quite a bit of fluidity to the service as we worship. People will be moving one to another as God speaks and ministering to one another, just like we're talking about right now. And I wonder if God would even want to start some of that this morning. So God might be putting a scripture or a picture or a word or a revelation on your heart. And he might even put a person on your mind to go and minister to. That might be one way that he operates. It might be that you want to be, you, you feel a strong sense that you want to receive from the Lord. And it might be that you acknowledge, uh, let people know that you need prayer. And you could come up for it front or you can tap your neighbor on the sh- shoulder and ask them to pray for you. But let's just allow the Spirit of God operate this morning.